things. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> oh, look, I coughed up an episode of Store Brand Comics. Oh, that's why it's all gross and disgusting. And covered in slime. Yeah. Welcome to Stormbrand Comics, everybody. I'm T.O. And I'm Brain. That's, a, that's probably the most disgusting opening to an episode we've ever done, actually. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else, and I had to clear my throat. Um, so today, today, today the greatest day. That's Smashing Pumpkin. Sorry, the, the emo rock just came out. Yeah. We have another episode of our Mar- Marvel relaunch saga. Um, I'm happy that we're finally like kind of getting back into doing these episodes semi-regularly again. Because um, after we did the year two outline, there were a couple of gaps there. And I was thinking like, uh, how, do, you know, how do we move forward? Are we getting bored with it? But since we took a break from doing it <laughs> so often, I feel like we've rejuvenated our interest in it. Yes. So today we're talking about the X-Men. And okay, now I need to... I need to do the thing I do for every one of these episodes and just in case it's someone's first episode and get into what this concept is. So our Marvel relaunch idea is um, we, we're basically coming up with our own dream idea for what would happen if Marvel canceled literally every book they're publishing and started over from number one all over again uh, with everything. Yeah. Uh, similar to the way that another comic book publisher, Valiant, um, did in 2012, once they finally got all the publishing rights to their uh, and all the you know IP and everything to most of their characters back um, in 2012, Valiant Comics relaunched their entire superhero universe um, and like slowly built it up over time. Um, now, me and Brandon in our original episode built it less slowly. Um, I think we probably would have benefited from maybe fewer titles in year one, but you know we made our bed and now we got to sleep in it. Yeah, uh, we were trying to please the fans. You guys yeah. always wanting books and books. Well, we gave you books, and then we toned it down some in year two, but still. Yeah. 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 So today, it's not um, us, so, it's you. Yeah. So we've made it into the second year of the relaunch, both in um, both in real time and in terms of just like talking about the the publishing. Like this is our actual second year, so yeah. Our, our that actually kind of worked out. That kind of worked out perfectly in terms of timing. Anyway, um. So, yeah, X-Men. So, um, so where we left off with X-Men, um, and we actually do, um, there are a couple of things we have to take into consideration with this now, um, because Iron Man has become a factor in the X-Men storyline. Yeah. Um, 
so I one thing I was doing earlier, I never made it to the part of the episode where I would have found out. But I was listening to some uh, previous episodes earlier so that I could get a sense for how much of the end of Iron Man's first year coincides with the beginning of X-Men's second year. Um, but now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure Iron Man was timed out perfectly so that Iron Man's second arc ends at the same time as X-Men's first or third, sorry, third yeah, arc, which so. was the crossover with Captain America. Right, right. Um, so here's here's one thing I'm thinking. Um, the beginning of X-Men's second year, on top of picking up where the actual X-Men series left off, um, it should also sort of address the aftermath of Iron Man's first move against Magneto. Okay, yeah, yeah. As well as at some point in here, even if it's only just like a brief reference to it, um, talk about Emma's efforts in trying to recruit Kamala from Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the X Men um, is sort of positioned because of the way that we've like built mutants up in this. The X Men are sort of positioned as like the central figure of our version of Marvel. Yeah. Uh, which I think is fun. Like it's it's so yeah. <laughs> it's it's so Sorry, weird. My, my brain that... is like going right now. I'm thinking uh, uh, potentials of the whole Miss yeah. Marvel thing. And it's it's, like... it's so weird um, that like as far as like the first two years worth of plot, that's really driven by like the secret agent stuff, like like Captain America, yeah, yeah. Black Widow, and all that. But then like as far as the characters who are actually important in the long term, it's like the X-Men and Iron Man and then and but then like all this is building towards something with the Hulk and it's like it's it's this weird mess of of things just sort of happening, but it all works, yeah, I yeah. think. And then Black Panther and Doctor Strange are both just doing their own things. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that feels like. Which in some of our our books will eventually touch on the Black Panther thing zone. Yeah. Just because at the end of the first year they they showed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Plus they have connections to the Fantastic Four. And also yeah. they were kind of dragged into the secret agent storylines. Yeah. Leading yeah. into World War Hulk and all that. So Doctor Strange, I feel, is the most separate character from everything else we've established so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his. He, he's the eye. only one without any like meaningful connections to any other characters yet, outside of the magic world. Yeah, he's got his own. Yeah, like you said, his whole magic thing, and plus a good bit of the characters other than him and and uh, Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy, they're off of the planet. But those oh, two, yeah, That's right. those two aren't in New York, so that kind of affects <clears throat> why they don't play as big of a role. Yeah. But yeah, so um Yeah, so there's a couple of things that we need to follow up on then. Um Gene's first real mission, uh which involved a crazy Wolverine, so um as well as uh 
Iron Man's first move against Magneto, which I think probably happened while the X-Men were in Canada. Canada. Uh, yeah, that could work. I mean, not that the X-Men would have been at Magnus International's like headquarters in New York, because they're probably at the school upstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember we mentioned in our Iron Man episode the potential for Tony to like discover the school at some point. Though that should probably be covered in the next Iron Man episode rather than here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um But yeah, okay. So Oh, now I feel like I'm getting choice paralysis cuz there's like a huge number of directions this can go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. I I know where we want it to end. I feel like and I just don't know how to get there yet. And I don't know who all is going to be involved. Um Yeah. Because I know that this needs to culminate in Gene leaving the school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think at the very least, she's taking Kitty with her. Yeah. Um, and this also yeah, gives please. us the opportunity to develop Kitty Pride a bit more as a character. Right. What was the uh, the team book? Like, this was like year three. What was the team book we were doing with her again? I think um, we were going to call it like just the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood, okay. The Brotherhood. One idea that I remember presenting originally was calling it the Inhumans, but then we decided that that wouldn't be a good idea because the first time the Inhumans appear, it should involve characters like Black Bolt and Medusa and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So It's like, no, we're the real Inhumans. They just had a name. We've had this name for, for forever. Well, yeah, because in our Marvel universe, the Inhumans are just a faction of mutants, rather than being a separate thing altogether. Because honestly, that does that can get a little confusing when reading regular Marvel, just how many different types of superhumans there are. Yeah, because other than how they get their powers, I don't feel like there's much of a meaningful distinction between the Inhumans and mutants. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously, the Inhumans have their whole, like, cultural structure with, with you know, the royal family, and they lived on the moon for a long time. Um, but, like, that was just a bunch of weirdness to go along, like, a bunch of Jack Kirby weirdness to go along with them, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, had they just been, like, what they are, just, like, people with superpowers that they are born with, but don't get to use until they're exposed to, like, this special mist it's like, yeah, like I said, um, outside of how they get their powers, there's no real meaningful distinction between mutants and inhumans. Especially since Marvel tried phasing mutants out in the comics because they didn't have the movie rights to the X-Men and tried using inhumans to replace them. They really they really highlighted the fact that like, even though it didn't work because fans wouldn't accept it, they really highlighted the fact that like, yeah, inhumans and mutants are almost indistinguishable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for our version of Marvel, it really makes more sense that Inhumans is just a team of mutants, but isn't different from them. Right. Um, but yeah, no the the one that the one that Jean joins. I don't know that Jean will be a part of the team's formation. I think she might join up with it. Is but yeah, maybe yeah. she should be a part of its formation though for for the Brotherhood because the last time she just joined up with an established structure, it was this it was the x-men yeah yeah 
Um, it would I, be I weird feel like for this her is... to just like join an already established team after yeah. having such an awful time with this one. Yeah, this is one of those things where this is this is one thing that should be kind of because uh, I remember when we in our very first episode um, we talked about how our X Men idea was basically a rip off of Harbinger, um, right? And and then we you know developed it and changed it with our actual X-Men episodes, but um, for this particular plot beat with Jean defecting from Magneto's group and going to form her own, I think that that should be pulled like from Harbinger wholesale where like, instead of, instead of joining an existing team, she founds a new one with a group of people who are, you know, who think like her. Yeah. We're called the runaways. <laughs> hey, you know that's another one that could pop up in the future. I don't know much yeah. about the Runaways personally. That like they are a huge uh, blind spot for me. Yeah, I remember buying the whole like collected first volume of it for my sister because she it, it seemed like an interesting thing that she wanted to check out, and then uh, she wasn't that interested. She read the first issue and was like, "Meh, not really interesting for me." And then yeah. like a year later, I wanted to read it, and she was like. I think I lost it. So yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I know about it is there's like a group of teenage superheroes whose parents were are all super villains, a part of like some big yeah, yeah, yeah group. So yeah, culty stuff. Yeah, we'll 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 have to do some research on Runaways if we want to tackle them in the future. Yeah. Um, but for now, okay. So the X Men. So Gene has been traumatized. Yes. But we so that's a reason for her to leave. But now we need to start giving her reasons to actively resist Magneto, like to actively fight against him once she leaves. Right, right. Um, um hmm. it, the, like yeah, cuz cuz right now we just have reasons for her to want out. Now we need reasons for her to want out and fight back. Hmm. I'm trying to think, is there is there any way Tony Stark somehow knows that there's one or two people within the X-Men that don't care for the X-Men? Not at this point, no. Tony's yeah. most recent um, encounter with an X-Men would be Jubilee at this point. That's right. Ju- Ju- he recently had a fight with Jubilee, and the last thing he did was make it back home safely to tell Pepper, Rhodey, and Pym um, about how he's Shoot Iron up. Man and they need to get ready. Yeah. Honestly, once World War Hulk passes, I think the next big uh, event we could probably do is like the Iron Legion versus the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Because that that feels like the next most important thing once the Hulk is out of the way. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's a year four issue. <laughs> like a, a big crossover every two years, I feel like is a good pattern to follow. Yeah, it it gets everybody, it gets readers just comfortable enough in like a status quo, so that every two years, once it changes, it's interesting and also actually changes things up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. one one thing that I've noticed about Valiant Comics 
as you know, the longer I read it and the deeper into the timeline I get, the more I notice like there is no status quo. They don't ever let you get comfortable with a situation for any of these characters, which I think is good. Keeping them moving constantly yeah. is, is a good thing, especially for superhero comics. But yeah, like, that's one thing I like about Valiant is the fact that like there's no status quo. These characters are constantly changing and moving. So that's that's one thing I think would be good to at least partially mimic with our Marvel ideas that like, yeah, like every two years, big event happens that actually changes everything. Unlike the yeah, yearly yeah. events they have now where they say everything's going to change and then it never does. Yeah. The Marvel Universe will never be the same except for the <laughs> fact that it's going to go back to exactly the way it was before all this happened. I wonder what Jean Grey's reaction will be once she's on the battlefield facing Hulk and she sees Wolverine off in the distance also doing the same. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's that guy! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, so are you thinking that um, Jean's defection comes after she faces the Hulk? Um, hmm. Like, is is being th- thrown up against the Hulk, like like a sack of rice against a brick wall, her breaking point where she's like, you know what, that's it. I, I definitely want out. Because like I said, that's just enough oh, of a reason yeah. for her to quit the X-Men team, not yeah, necessarily a reason yeah. for her to leave the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. Because um, hmm. what I'm thinking right now is it's entirely possible um, once these next two arcs are out of the way and enough of Magneto's dark secrets have been revealed to Jean that she's willing to oppose him now, she might leave the school at the end of the second arc and then, like, and she might not even be involved with the fight with the Hulk. Like, the X-Men tie-ins might be about Magneto's um, response to the Hulk. Right, Hulk. I feel like that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. His response yeah, to the Hulk, his coordinations with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, like, the negotiations that go along with that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I almost feel like she, uh, she would break from the X-Men before the Hulk thing. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it does make sense that, like, if the Hulk thing happened and she was a part of it, she'd definitely break from the X-Men. But I almost yeah. feel like she wouldn't allow herself to be put in that position again yeah yeah i see for me i think um because with the way that the plot would have to develop is she she would need to learn all the like dark secrets of magneto and all that and then basically agree to go on one last mission to fight the hulk and then leave the team which doesn't feel quite like a natural enough progression i feel like yeah if if because no one knows that the hulk is coming at the end of right right the second arc so um i feel like yeah once she um like learns enough like learns all she needs to learn um to motivate her to uh oppose magneto and his x-men she would just she would just like leave and um and Magneto would be left without her to go up against the Hulk. 
with yeah. whichever X Men he has. Yeah, yeah. Which leads me to thinking: Does anyone die here in World War Hulk during our World War Hulk? Yes. I don't think we really covered whether or not there would be any casualties. Um, if we uh, were the going only to reason... kill anyone, uh, the X-Men would be a good one to do it with because there's a lot yeah, of characters. I, I was going to say, the only reason that I, I bring that up is because I'm thinking about the X-Men right now and like during this couple of arcs, I know it sounds bad, but maybe sh- not Jean Grey's the main focus. Jean Grey and Magneto's the main focus, but like background or side character one or side character two um you see some characterization with them and then once world war hulk happens one or both those side characters die in the events of world war hulk whereas like you feel more of an impact with their death having known that character rather than like just another person out there yeah so um based on who uh we've built like an interest around already um i personally don't want to get rid of mystique i feel like her relationship with gene so far is too interesting to do away with yeah Uh, yeah. it will definitely help with uh future conflicts with them yeah um so as far as and then we we've got lots of plans for colossus so he can't exactly die fighting the hulk yeah 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 Um, no uh there, there would be riots in the streets if we killed Storm. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, and I hate to say this, and we could now we could introduce um, a character that we could spend these next two arcs building up, so that when they do die in World War Hulk, it's it's still sad enough because we just spent like the better part of a year's worth of comics getting to know them, but. Um, but if we don't want to just introduce a new character for the purpose of killing them later, uh, yeah. then the only character I think who has been present enough that his death would be meaningful so far, and I hate to say this because he's the only, he's literally the only Native American character we have so far, it would be Warpath. Okay. And he was on the X Men team? Yeah. During the whole Wolverine thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was, he had like a direct confrontation with Wolverine during all that. In fact, I think yeah, he yeah. and Captain America had a tag team fight with Wolverine. Okay. And that crossover. So, so our X Men team for that mission. Oh, there goes my doggy. <laughs> Listen to her go. Listen to her go. Go get him. Get him. Kill him. Get him by his ankles. Get him. Rip his throat out. Get him. So aside from Jean Grey, it was Mystique, yep, uh, Warpath, um, on, Storm. Hey, to... just real quick, I'll be right back. Sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I was trying to think who was all on that think... X Men mission team. That doesn't mean that that's the whole X Men. That was just like yeah, the yeah. designated team for that. Yeah, mission. those these are just the ones we've established so far. Um, yeah. The the ones who went to Canada were, um, I think we had a four person team go to Canada. It was Gene, Mystique, Storm, and Warpath. Okay. Okay. Um, because Storm managed the weather outside. Storm 
if I remember correctly, never even went inside to see what Wolverine did. Right, um, right. Warpath was the only one who had a direct physical confrontation. Mystique went in ahead of everybody else to get like information on the situation. And then Jean was in there and had, and uh, the scene was so horrific and she feared so badly for her life that she had like a psychic bomb meltdown. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Like, I think that yeah, was. I think so. Yeah, like that's the biggest display of like telepathic power our version of Jean has done so far. Because I think she, yeah. uh, like her scream went through everyone's heads. Yeah, yeah. Which was a big moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Um, but yeah, okay. as far as established X-Men, I think the ones on like the the mission to like recruit Jean, like rescue her from whatever situation was going on. I don't quite remember what was happening. Um, but uh, I, th- Warpath was definitely on that team as well. Um, okay. as was Mystique. Like Mystique was the was meant to be like the the friendly figure. That no wait no Jubilee, Jubilee was meant to be. The, maybe Mystique was there as well. But Jubilee right. was meant to be like the friendly like peer. Like she's around the same age as Jean, so she's there to kind of talk her down. Right, right. Um, if I remember correctly, the team that rescued Jean was Warpath, Colossus, Jubilee, and Mystique. And that's it. Okay. Because I think Gene met Storm at the school for the first time. That's right. Okay. And if that's not the case, then I think we should retcon it so that is the case because it wouldn't have made sense for Storm to be on that mission to rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. And then also Juggernaut and Emma Frost did some cleanup. So yeah, our established established X-Men, excluding Gene is Jubilee, Mystique, Emma Frost, Juggernaut, Colossus, um, Storm, and Warpath. Okay. So that's seven that doesn't members. mean... Yeah, and that doesn't mean there's not more. That's just oh, the yeah, ones yeah. that we've Yeah, seen. those are just the ones we have introduced and established so far. Yeah. Plus, one of them is occupied in a different series, so Emma's off the right, table. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I am kind of thinking, like, two deaths warpath and then may I, I hate doing this i don't want to just introduce a character just for simply having them die later but like i can't i can't really think of like taking another one off um because the only other one that has impact or that would have impact is jubilee but yeah. then there's also like i'm also thinking in terms of like riots in the streets of yeah. like you guys took out an asian american and a native american this is a little weird yeah, yeah like <laughs> it's because yeah there's there's still plenty of other like diverse characters within the x-men um to uh introduce but the thing is um i'm mostly concerned about warpath because even within the x-men there is like a huge like deficiency of like native american representation i've noticed like in yeah, superhero yeah. comics in general you hardly ever see any native american heroes yeah that is true like thinking about it right now warpath is literally the only one who comes to mind for me yeah yeah i think you're right 
I can't think of any from DC. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And you know, there are some characters we could update. You know, some we could change. Say like, oh, th- this character may have been white in the original, but we can change them now so that they're right, right. You know. But also, we don't want to like tokenize characters either because that's almost worse than not having them there at all. Yeah. So I don't know. It's this is a weird tightrope to walk. Okay, I'm I'm thinking about it now. Um, obviously, Warpath and Jubilee, Jubilee, both of them shouldn't die. Um, when we're talking about both of them, though, I kind of leaning towards like possibly Jubilee dying, only because we've seen her more, and and essentially, like it, it's it's. If she did die, people would see like a little bit more negativity towards Magneto and everything yeah. that he is doing. Like plus Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. I'm assuming isn't Iron Man gonna be in kind of the World War Hulk fight? Oh or, definitely. Okay. So so he sees this person that he like fought, but he knows it's like basically a child slash teenager, young adult, whatever. Yeah, but he understands like that person Jubilee is basically not brainwashed, but like fighting for the wrong cause, kind of. And seeing that person die, like mm-hmm. it wouldn't just affect Jean Grey, who had like a connection with Jubilee. It also affect like Iron Man as well as anyone else that was on the battlefield. Of like, hey, like it's kind of like kind of messed up what magneto is doing here like sending young adults out on missions and stuff yes it's the hulk we need every every man we got but still yeah plus the um emotional impact i think that would have on gene once she like finds out about jubilee oh yeah is um, plus I feel like there are, in terms of Jubilee specifically, um, thinking about the existing comics, there is at least one way I can think of that we can get around killing her permanently. Okay, what's that? Because in the comic books, Jubilee has been a vampire for several years. What? Yeah, Jubilee's Jubilee's been a vampire since like 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, she's one of the mutants who lost her powers after House of M. Um, so they kind of, I think, phased her out of the comics. And then a few years later, um, there was a storyline where the X-Men had to deal with a bunch of vampires in San Francisco. And Jubilee just happened to be in the area, and she was one of the people turned into a vampire. So she's she's been a vampire for quite a while now. Okay, I got you. So, that, so possible vampiric conversion is definitely an option for reviving Jubilee in the future. Yeah, yeah. Probably at the cost of her mutant powers, because I feel like being a vampire and having her firework powers makes her too strong. Yeah, yeah. She'll join up with Blade. 
Yeah. You see, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's who I thought of when I was like, maybe this yeah, is something yeah, that could yeah. be tackled in the Blades series somehow. Yeah. And then again, Blades only got a miniseries and like just introducing Jubilee there for no other reason than to revive her so she can go back to X-Men well, stuff. I mean, it's like, ah, that would take away from Blade's story a little bit. So yeah. And plus maybe that, introducing that... Blade in the, into the X-Men comics at some point And yeah. Well, well, yeah, like that, that would be something that's like a year and a half, two years, maybe even more than two years down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, not, let readers... I'm not for the, yeah, I'm not for the deaths that last like six months or a year or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Let it, let it sit. Let it sit some if you're going to revive. Yeah, this is one of those things where um, we want death to be meaningful and if we're going to resurrect a character, we want that to be just as meaningful as the death was in the first place. So if we're going to kill meaningful, characters, we got to be super... as well as meaningful as well as I think there should be consequences once that happens. That's something we can yeah. tackle later down the road. But like, I think that should be a big thing is like, oh, like maybe it was worse bringing her back. Stuff like yeah. that. Well, yeah, because... Um... Definitely, because Jubilee's resurrection involves being turned into a vampire. That's, like, objectively negative. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of those things where if we're going to consider resurrection for any character, yes, we have to consider which characters get that sort of treatment, and also, like, how it happens and what effect it has after the fact. Because, um... Yeah, yeah, we don't want to turn it into modern Marvel where characters can die willy- Oh, excuse me, willy nilly, and it means nothing. But it's also it's also to introduce, like, let's say she does get brought back in that way or another way or whatever it may be, that like it was such a horrible way of bringing someone back, and like the consequences outweigh them actually being brought back or whatever, to where yeah. they won't be tempted to do that again with another yeah. character. Because that's the yeah, problem exactly. with a lot of DC and Marvel stuff is you see these resurrection things, Lazarus Pits, whatever it may be, and you're like, well, why don't they just do that? Why don't they just do that? Like all this stuff, and it's like, you got to have a reason why they won't do that again. Yeah, like like right now in the X-Men comics, um, there is literally no threat of death for any of the characters because they have this like cloning system now on their special islands that they all live on where if someone dies they get insta cloned and just get to come back to life that sounds very engaging yeah right high stakes yeah i'm now i'm not one of those people who thinks that death is the be all and end all of high stakes and that that's the only way to to uh, maintain tension or engage me as a uh, an audience member because I think that's foolish. You don't like death doesn't have to be a threat to, to maintain high stakes. But right. in this particular case with the X-Men where like, there's no threat whatsoever. Like there's literally nothing standing in the way of the X-Men and their goals. If they can just keep doing that. So yeah, yeah. it's, it, yeah. It, Cause like Wolverine, Wolverine is a character who effectively can never die permanently. He has died in the past, but he, he can never die permanently. Um, so writers have come up with different ways to challenge him. Like, there are effective ways to challenge a character who can't die. But when you have an entire, like, island nation's worth of characters who can't die, that's a little different. 
Yeah, yeah. And and they're the heroes, not the villains. Like if they're the villains, then that you know, that presents a challenge. But they're the heroes, yeah. so nothing can challenge them. Yeah. So yeah. Um so we want to avoid getting that cavalier about killing characters off. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, yeah. so Jubilee is is the truly heartfelt death. Um, I think at this point, um, for another death, this would make a little bit more sense, is when Jean Grey goes, if not someone filling her spot, they just have another, uh, another student or whatever become an X-Men. Mm-hmm and they die it doesn't have to be super notable it like i'm not not trying to bash on characters i know legacy all that stuff essentially this character will just be cannon fodder so it doesn't have to be a big x-men or whatever okay so just because i always i always find it weird when one person dies in these events where it's like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. Only one person died. Like I, I know this is a big character, but I kind of see this as a win for how destructive and everything just yeah. was. Uh, the, y'all had that low of casualties. All right. So we got to think of a character who is unimportant, in, like not unpopular enough, but also could like, there's a good reason they got sent to fight the Hulk. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, which, speaking of fighting the Hulk, once we figure out who this next character is that's going to die, that is another thing I want to talk about real quick, is um, how these casualties come about, and certain and small details about World War Hulk. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but so for me, what comes to mind is... <sighs> okay, so... You see, Maggot is who I think of first for throwaway X-Men, but at the same time, would he get sent to fight the Hulk? Um, yeah. There's also... Um, because I was also thinking of like a character gonna... like Toad, but I was like, why would Toad be sent? Yeah. Um, it can't be Juggernaut, because he's supposed to be an Avenger. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, oh yeah, for listeners... We decided over text that Juggernaut will be the X-Men's representative on our starting Avengers lineup. Yeah. Because it gives us... A... Ah, dang it. All right, I was hoping to find like a list of X-Men at the bottom of this page, but I can't. Yeah, I'm trying to find... I'll just... Uh, C-list X-Men. Um, or B-list. Uh, Beak comes to mind. Um, you see, I I don't want to uh, X Men. Gene's middle name is Elaine. I like that. I never know knew that. Um, let's see here. I want to find a list of X Men, please. A list of X Men that Get can this easily stupid advertisement off. I'm trying to read a list. A list of X-Men for me, please. Ones that people won't get upset about if we kill them. Why can't I scroll down? Your website sucks. Ranker, you suck. 
All right, all right. I'm seeing some names here. Possibly. Possibly. Glob Herman is another one we could just kind of sacrifice. You're not looking for that rich potential in Glob Herman? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If we wanted to be really ballsy about it, maybe Pyro. Yeah. Maybe, because I was trying to think of, like, because uh, I was looking at, like, ones that you could just take off, and most people would be like, who? Um, but I was also thinking, like, uh, almost a step up with characters like Pyro and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, a name, yeah. a name people would recognize, but most probably wouldn't care if they were just taken off the table. Right, right, yeah. That... Give them a couple cool moments in the fight, and then... Yeah. I think that would work. So one thing I wanted to talk about is um, as much destruction as he causes, um, and <laughs> this is um, uh, kind of a weird thing, like sort of, I guess, a bit of a, a storytelling carryover from the Hulk comic books. Um, I do want to avoid the Hulk being directly responsible for casualties as much as possible right right so one thing i'm thinking is in this fight with the hulk obviously like you know huge groups of superheroes are are fighting him at this point and then eventually like the the russian government probably reveals and this might be like teased in the black panther comics as um that team is trying to rescue Wakabi and uh, Okoye from the Red Room in Russia. Um, They might reveal that the Red Room was able to reverse engineer their own Hulk and created Abomination. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. And by the time all these heroes are there fighting the Hulk, Abomination shows up in the fight as well. And he, he shows up to fight the Hulk, but he also has like a complete disregard for everyone around him because he's not yeah, their yeah. friend. So yeah. uh, um, Abomination, I feel, would be the one most directly responsible for casualties. That makes sense. Because uh, um, I almost see as like Abomination being like a not finished Hulk. Like he could be stronger, whatever it yeah. may be. But in terms of like uh, more clear thinking, it's not entirely there. Yeah, essentially, just because they they weren't finished with with all the stuff that they were doing. So yeah, like in a sense, he's just on like this. He's on this this set thing of like taking out the Hulk. But like you're saying, like he because he's essentially not a finished product. He is an abomination. Yeah, he's not able to uh, to really keep in mind things that are around him. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, one I thought that I just had now is I think maybe the finale of World War Hulk is Hulk and Abomination are fighting each other. Abomination has caused the death of Jubilee and Pyro at this point. Yeah. Um, 
and um, they they've both like Abomination starts to like realize what the Hulk is after, which is I think we agreed it's like the cosmic radiation thing that Mister Fantastic built to yeah, yeah. help him understand his and his friends' powers more. Yeah. Um, so Abomination decides that he wants that now; that he wants the power source Hulk is after. Oh, okay. so. The both of them basically start this race to get there first, and yeah, they yeah. both make it at about the same time. And I want to say they both like get to this reactor at the same time. They they might like there might be a, a short struggle with the thing where the thing tries to hold them both off, but obviously two of them they're gonna knock him out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a, it's a three. Oh, okay. Here it is. It, the finale is a three way brawl between the thing, the Hulk, and the Abomination, and okay, yeah. um. I can see the cover now. Everyone yeah. is blown away. They're like, holy crap. Yeah. And um, so it's the thing trying to defend the reactor and Hulk and Abomination both trying to get it while preventing the other from getting it. Yeah, um, yeah. And Hulk and Abomination, I want to say, probably both get it at the same time and both get that radiation they need to be complete. Yeah. Like, the cosmic rays that made the Fantastic Four are what finally, like, bring Hulk and Abomination to completion. I shouldn't have phrased it that way. <laughs> They're just, ah! <laughs> it's, what, it's what finishes their brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, got you. Hulk and Abomination can now both be fully conscious. They're no longer a pair of, like, Godzillas. Yeah, um, yeah. Running after a food source. And, um... Hulk, understanding that the Abomination is like an agent of, uh, you know, the Red Room at this point, because like I, I feel like they would recognize each other, because Abomination would be like Emil Blonsky, who Hulk probably saw at the Red Room facility, like as a guard or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or someone, someone who was important that they juiced yeah. up to be their Hulk hunter. Um, and, and we could see that in like flashback and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so this this big fight that takes place it's it's the Hulk's moment where he's established as basically mostly a good guy at this point, um, yeah. And he and Abomination duke it out, and it ends with the Hulk beating the Abomination because the Abomination might be stuck in his monster form all the time, but the advantage that Hulk has over him is that he can get stronger over the course of a fight. Right. Hulk is the only one between the two who gets stronger with his anger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this so, is becoming more of a World War Hulk episode now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I might cut this out and save it, or or this is just, but this is just stuff we need to like cover and yeah, make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because um, these are ideas I'm having now, and I don't want to forget them. Um, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I feel like that's the finale to World War Hulk, which we will yeah. cover again in the future once we actually do the World War Hulk episode. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like our World War Hulk episode is mostly going to be talking about how tie-ins will be handled as well. Because right, right. we seem to be working out bits and pieces of the plot in other episodes as we go. Yeah. For the actual event. But yeah, we've still got to... Let's see here. Out of episodes we've done... So Captain America, the series ended before World War Hulk started. So we don't have to worry about tie-ins for him. Um, yeah. So we got to cover Spider-Man tie-ins, X-Men tie-ins, um, Iron Man tie-ins, probably. We'll work it out. Yeah, yeah. 
the single issue tie-ins from Doctor Strange and Thor and Loki. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther tie-ins. Guardians of the Galaxy aren't involved because they're out in space. Space. Anyway, yeah, that's our little that's our little World War Hulk chat for this. But now that we, okay, so now that we've worked all of that out, um, we have end goals for all of the important characters for year two. Yeah, how do they get there? <laughs> um, so okay, so Magneto and Jubilee have just encountered Iron Man. They they they've just the the opening skirmish of the conflict has taken place Stark versus Magnus oh this is like right after yeah 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 this is um, now I don't know if we because that is like more of a carryover plot from Iron Man so I don't know if we want to tie into another series plot so heavily and so directly to start with um um, I'm just saying, I'm just kind of like setting the stage for like what is happening right now. Gene is probably receiving counseling from someone. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe not Emma, even though Emma's the most qualified counselor, Emma's busy. Um, yeah. So either like Mystique or Storm or someone, maybe Mystique, because she's established herself as more of a motherly figure to, to Gene, whereas yeah, I yeah. feel like Storm is more of like a sisterly figure at this point. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't really go to siblings for like advice like that. I'd I'd rather yeah, go yeah. to a parent. So Mystique yeah. probably is is the one Jean goes to for like counseling and helping to get her through all the stuff that just happened. Right in Canada, I just realized my ceiling fan's been going full blast this whole time. Give me a second. There we go. I hope that wasn't picking up the whole time. No, I didn't hear anything. Okay, cool. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so like, Jean Jean's traumatized. Um, Kitty's not drinking the Kool Aid. She's yeah. there, but she doesn't buy it. Yeah, yeah. Kitty might be our key to revealing some of the secrets of Magneto that would encourage Jean to start like questioning things and leaving. Yeah, that could work for for this. Uh, for maybe the first arc, it doesn't have to be both, but maybe the first arc would it would you possibly want to like switch perspective back and forth from Jean? then Kitty. Um, and then like every now and then we see the Magneto stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I feel like the Magneto part of the plot would be like quote-unquote post credit scenes at the end of every issue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then like obviously the main portions of it would be uh, Gene and Kitty's ongoing things. Um, yeah, yeah. I just realized we've <laughs> we've gotten into the second year of an X Men series and haven't even really talked about Cyclops. Oh yeah, is he even on this team? Should he? I don't know. Should he be like a member of the Brotherhood? Maybe. I feel like he should pop up in the Brotherhood. 
later. Yeah, like he yeah. might. Yeah, he might be like a young mutant that Jean meets for the first time after she's formed the Brotherhood, and then like he joins them. Yeah, yeah. And that's how their uh, relationship begins. Yeah. Years down the line, you're gonna get like these long narration boxes about like when I first met her, she was a rebel doodah, whatever. Is uh is Havoc Cyclops' brother? Yes, Havoc is Cyclops' brother, and I think they have a another brother named Vulcan, or known as Vulcan. Oh, okay. I was thinking and then like, there, uh... there have been teases of a fourth summer's brother since like the nineties. Oh, okay. Actually, no, there have been teases of a third Summers brother since the 90s, and then Vulcan was the third Summers brother, but for some reason, the comic books keep talking about, like, ooh, the third Summers brother's never been revealed. How? It was Vulcan. <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, they don't pay attention to Vulcan, man. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, uh, this is obviously, like, year three stuff. Um, whenever Cyclops is introduced, he's also introduced with his brother Havoc. Mm. Uh, what, whatever it may be, whether they're, we'll figure that out. But uh, they they come as a duo. Yes, Cyclops is the one we see most of, but Havoc is there as well. Mm. Just so we can build up that brotherhood roster. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I was um, thinking in our original version of this, back when it was still just a Harbinger ripoff in our heads, um, is that Cyclops would kind of fill the same role that Chris does in, in Harbinger, where he's like the unpowered member of the team. Yeah, yeah. He, he, they call him Cyclops because he wears shades all the time. It's like, what are, you, what are you hiding? You got one eye? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like people make jokes about it and that sort of thing, but um, and who knows? Maybe he kind of starts off unpowered in this, and then and then gets powers later. Or he could be powered, and it's like, I I almost like the idea of like, because if you think about Cyclops's power in the real war real world as well as like other superhero books, like how extremely powerful it is. I'm thinking of like. As bad as this movie is, this the scene, X Men Origins. Whenever uh, hmm. uh, Wolverine's brother takes off Save the shades, team. and he yeah he sh- he lasers through the whole school, and you see like the beam shoot up in the the sky and stuff. Like he's like pretty powerful with it, but he's like kind of reserved on using it because he kind of sees it as like. It's too much power almost. Not not saying I guess the best way to kind of put it is like not saying he's like uh what's the inhuman guy? I forgot his name. Black Bolt? Uh, Black Bolt, in the sense that like Black Bolt's pretty reserved on using his power. Um, kind of in that way, kind of, but with eye lasers. Mm, yeah. That makes and sense. that's why that's why like for the first half of whatever arc or the first couple of arcs that he's in like people are like you're just a human like you don't you're not even using powers you're just wearing goggles and stuff and then like when the moment happens they're like oh oh poop yeah um okay Hmm. 
Now, here here is one thing though um, that I would have a question about um, is so the, the shades that he would wear at first. Um, Uh, would probably be normal shades because he has to wear special ones. Um, right. I'm wondering how would he get the special shades that hold his lasers back? Because hmm. to start with, I feel like he would just need to hold his eyes closed all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that actually be kind of interesting. How like, oh, that'd be super interesting. How like basically from birth he's like quote-unquote blind he's not actually blind it's just like when he was a little kid he or or, no no no, they develop their powers like at puberty uh, usually puberty okay well as as far as i know he could see up until that point and then whenever he he the puberty hit and stuff the laser eye thing happened he realized like and maybe by his parents they're like you have to keep your eyes closed like you cannot open your eyes. You will hurt people. And so for a decade or however old he is when we put him in here, he's been quote unquote blind. He just doesn't open his eyes. Yeah. Like he he has like a, a, a walking cane and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but because of like the, the strict upbringing of like, Hey, like, and it's not entirely true. It's just like, you have way too much power. You can kill many many people so to prevent that like don't open your eyes be blind or or whatever yeah yeah that would uh um yeah be like an interesting starting point for cyclops i think but yeah Yeah. as far as i know um in the current comic books like i i don't know how many of them there are there are some mutants born like with their powers at birth like multiple man is one of them um because when he was born and they patted him on the butt to, uh, you know, jumpstart him like they do with babies, um, right. another one of him popped out. <laughs> oh, okay. And, that, and that's how they learned Multiple Man was a mutant is because he's one of the only ones to have his powers from birth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah which, from what again, I, remember, I think is super rare. So Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, from what I remember, it was like puberty. So yeah, that's like a thing where like he saw up until like the age 12 or 11 or whatever and then from there like okay i gotta be blind yeah yeah so now at like 17 or 18 or whatever puts him around gene's age yeah um, yeah they find a way to because uh his his lenses are made of ruby quartz that's the explanation for why his beams are held back it's the only material he can't punch through apparently right right probably because um and this is <laughs> and this is kind of a weird unscientific science thing where like i'm assuming the reason he can't punch through it is cuz it's the same color as his beams so it like I'll, like it it disperses the light from them but the right. thing is it's not actually the light of his beams that are causing the damage cuz they're not heat based they're it's it's physical like concussive force yeah yeah so so like anytime you see in the X-Men movies when he fires a beam and there's like fire or something burning from where he hit like in uh I think it was in X-Men Apocalypse 
when he fires that beam across the lake and splits the tree in half and the tree starts on fire. Um, yeah. That's actually not an accurate representation of his power. It should have just been blasted into splinters and not like started on right, fire. Right. It's not heat based. Yeah. So. But anyway, that's, but yeah, that's, that's one of those weird things where it's like, I think the explanation is probably that it's the same color as the light of his beams, but that still, you know, doesn't, doesn't work because you know yeah. yeah you know and and we can get into it in like a year three whether it be um i i don't think tony stark would be the one that would give him the shades yet unless he has some sort of change i don't know unless he has some sort of change of heart with mutants well i don't like yes he has think... the problem with magneto but he does have like a slight problem with just like not not saying he's like out to get mutants that's not it at all uh maybe maybe he would give him shades just as like a way of like okay i could see i could see in this way of like he gives the shades to him for him to like more as like a a safety thing like you need this and like in case you ever need to use it sure you can use it but i'm giving you these shades so like you don't accidentally open your eyes or anything and just vaporize people or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be yeah, I think um, I think once because at some point Tony is going to have to come across the Brotherhood. I think once yeah. he realizes that, like you know, they are different from Magneto, and that like obviously not all mutants are, um, in spite of their power, not all all mutants are a real danger to society. He would start to help them, and like you said, it's it's a him giving Cyclops something that could let him just open his eyes and see would be a way of, you know, mitigating potential danger from someone who doesn't detect yeah, yeah. it. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, one of those things where I think Tony would consider himself an ally to Jean and her friends. Um, once he like meets them, there would be that right. obvious, opening you know opening scuffle between superheroes that you get in every superhero story where they meet for the first time um because he's like ah mutants they're you know, it's the x-men and then they're gonna be like no 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 no, wait no we're not the x-men we're the brotherhood and then he's gonna be like right. then there's gonna be the whole you know they get to know each other and explain things gosh now i'm thinking about that year three potential uh, I know, I know. We got, we, but we got to take our minds <laughs> off it for now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, for now, um, yeah. So, Magnus International was technically just attacked by Tony Stark, Iron Man. Um, yeah. Tony's identity is still a secret to the world, and Magnus is going to keep it that way for now. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm, uh, that's going on with Magneto. We so we've got okay, so we got Kitty and Jean at the school. And Jean is um, receiving counseling from Mystique. Um, yeah. So we need to, for this for this opening arc, focus on what Kitty's doing. Yeah. Um, and how her suspicion of where what's going on around her is going to lead to her uncovering some secrets. Um, yeah. At what point did we introduce Kitty in the last 
year? Uh, I want to say second arc of okay. X-Men. So she hasn't been super important since then, but she was introduced pretty early on. Right, right. Okay. Uh, so she's she was introduced as like a, another like friend for Jean and Jubilee, basically. But like she... she um, and I remember, I, I believe you're the one who brought this up to start with, that like she's more suspicious of things around her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so she's probably going to be the one to like start unraveling the mysteries. I think some of her suspicion might be targeted on Colossus to start with because he's a little shadier than everybody else. Yeah, um, yeah, that could work. Which I think is a fun little uh thing to do considering yeah. her and Colossus's um history in the in the existing comics. Yeah, but um. Now we just need to figure out how she does it. Yeah. Hmm. Man, it really is tough when you have to come up with the details for it, huh? Broad strokes are easy. (laughs) Yeah, because I was about to say you could send her on a mission, but I don't even know if they'd have her do that. Send her on a mission somehow. She threw all that. She recovers it. But there's got to be another way. Yeah, plus um, I think... uh... Uh, like I I don't know that Kitty would like show an interest in joining the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's community. that's what I mean. Yeah, because with her powers, they would definitely have a use for her. It would, but it would be for shady stuff. Yeah. Hmm. I locked my keys in my car. Can you get them for me, please? Thank you. I, oh, I dropped my keys down into that sewer grate. I'm sorry, this will be disgusting, but could you get those, please? I, and then, like, they, uh, they're about to ask for another thing. And she's like, if it's about your keys, I don't want to hear it. I locked my keys in the house. <laughs> That's it. How do I you quit. do that? I, I quit the X-Men. <laughs> how do you lock your keys in the house don't you use your keys to lock the door well you see I I don't lock the deadbolt I just twist the lock on the knob and then close the door <laughs> why don't you call a locksmith look these are hard times, okay? Hard times in the economy. Could you just do me a favor, please? Wait, you have magnet powers. Can't you just move the tumblers yourself? Yeah, but... I, I get tired afterwards. <laughs> I get sleepy. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm hungry. I am actually hungry right now. Um, Let's see here. Okay. So she does... Okay, so she's got to figure out a way to, like, dance around, like, Colossus and Storm and... 
Hmm. And, and Jubilee, because I think because I think Jubilee's probably back at the school. She did her job, yeah, yeah, shooting yeah. fireworks at Iron Man, and now she's back at the school again. Yeah. Uh, You guys won't believe it. I was actually sent on a mission. I, I was shooting fireworks at this robot guy. <laughs> you won't believe it. I just got my first solo mission. That would actually be kind of like a little bit of an interesting thing. Like, yeah, that was her first solo mission. The first thing she was sent to do alone. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I can't wait for many more of these missions throughout my many years of living. It's gonna be great. <laughs> my many, my many years of, of life and breathing yet to come. <laughs> oh Magneto boy. told me of this of, of a great mission he'll send me on in a year from now, in uh, year three. and uh it sounds so interesting i just hope nothing happens to me by the end of this year just so i can go on that great mission liz is starting to get annoying trying to think of this now um yeah Kitty finds out somehow. She's she's googling. She's I mean like her power, like I I I doubt there's anyone else at the school that has a power close to hers. Or well, I mean there's Nightcrawler, but Nightcrawler's not at the school right now. Yeah, Nightcrawler hasn't been introduced yet. Yeah, so she's I, she's basically. I think Night- Nightcrawler might be a part of Jean's Brotherhood lineup. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm basically thinking... free to go like willy nilly all over the the school, so she's able to like quote unquote break into places without actually breaking in, um, and 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 digging through papers <laughs> and documents. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's um. Here are a couple of uh, potential paths we could take. I think uh, one path is that most of her suspicion is um, focused on Colossus. Um, Mm. And maybe by like the end of the first issue of this arc, um, her suspicions are confirmed that Colossus isn't like who he says he is. But when she confronts him about it, he uh, might come up with like a story of like, oh, you know, I was sent by uh, the government. <laughs> to Which um, government? Uh, the uh, American government. Okay, checks out. Oh, yeah. He could say the UN. Yeah, yeah. He could say he's assigned by the, that way, um, like, if he starts using his Russian accent around her. or well, I don't know if he, I don't remember if he's already using the Russian accent, but um, if he was hiding, he it before, yeah, if, if he was oh, hiding, I, I before, remember, yeah. if, yeah, if he was hiding his Russian accent before he can start using it around her and be like, I was assigned by the UN. <laughs> <laughs> da. Ooh, 
Да. I'm here to um, eat borscht and kick booty. And I'm all out of borscht. That's how, like, he does a slip-up. He does, like, a Inglorious Bastard slip-up where, like, Michael Fassbender holds up three when he didn't do the German three where it's, like, your thumb, your index finger, and your middle finger. And that's what gives him away. And Kitty's like, hey. Oh, my dog's going. No, it's your dog's my dog. My dog realized Colossus, the jig is up. Let me wait. Someone's probably here listening in on the conversation. I've pulled up Kitty Pride's Wikipedia article now. Um, but uh, let's see here. Okay, so yeah, so like Colossus is like I'm from the UN, and um, you know, you know, lie to her, uh, to uh. Get her to trust him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they basically kind of agree to start like collecting info on Magneto and the X Men together. Um. Okay. Yeah, that that could work. So. Sorry, I'm getting distracted reading Kitty's Wikipedia article. Yeah, you're good. All right. Um, <clears throat> so anyway. Um, wow, I just found files about something about... I don't know why this is on X-Men computers. It's talking about the Red Room. Do you know anything <laughs> about that? Oh uh, no! Yet. no. <laughs> but yeah, over Sounds like bad guys. I don't know. I I know nothing about that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. So basically, yeah, Kitty and Colossus kind of team up to uh uh get info on Magneto and stuff, and um, Kitty starts like coming to gene with it that's that's the first possibility i came up with um another possibility is that and the and these two could be combined together to to basically speed things along um is as kitty is investigating like these weird like i guess just bursts of wind start um coming out of nowhere around her and um you know the assumption obviously is that there is a mutant behind it but um, right, like right. any time it happens, like more information that she needs is just miraculously around her, like a file she didn't have before or like a page will turn to where she needs it to go. That sort of thing. Like anything that speeds her investigation along happens when yeah, this yeah. weird burst of wind occurs. Um, and the, the idea is that eventually it would be revealed that this wind is being caused by Quicksilver, who is um... not a member of the X-Men. Um, because he's already defected from his father and he is secretly as secretly as possible trying to help the one person in that school who's actually putting effort into this investigation do it faster okay i i kind of like that 
And we and like I said, we could combine those two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both like she's or, yeah. she's getting help from Colossus and Quicksilver to do this. Yeah. Cause my idea for like the the two at least two members in the starting brotherhood lineup would be Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Like I'm maybe just imagining the... Oh good. Uh, I was thinking, like, maybe the starting Brotherhood lineup is Jean, Kitty, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Cyclops. And then, um, uh, you know, as time goes on, you know, the the team can rotate and, you know, more members can be introduced. You know, Nightcrawler, Beast, that sort of thing. Or wait, was Beast a part of Magneto's X-Men already? I don't think so i don't think he was an x-man but he might be a teacher at the school and moira's there too moira mctaggart we keep forgetting about her yeah moira's the only human teacher at the school so we can't forget her she she might be important later she can be important later Um, i'm just imagining kitty is walking she she finds a hidden door she walks down there's two paths she has to go there's a left path and there's a right path she's like hmm i think i'm going to go to the right and as she's starting to walk like a a brisk like whisper like overtakes she she basically thinks it's like her subconscious or something it's like go left (laughs) she's like i guess i'll go left Speaking of uh, subconscious things, I just, I just, this just popped in my brain right now. Um, and again, this is another thing that's like, it would be something that sort of helps Kitty's investigation. You'd basically kind of find out that there's a ton of people there um, questioning Magneto and doing research into things to help like bring him down, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moira, the only human Magneto truly trusts, is secretly there to like bring his organization down and she's there possibly at the direction of the disembodied consciousness of Car- Charles Xavier. I almost called him Carl Xavier, <laughs> but uh, by the disembodied consciousness of Charles Xavier, who currently exists on the astral plane. And he's like giving her psychic protection, which is why someone like Emma hasn't figured out her true motivations yet. That I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Jimmy, it's me, Carl Xavier. It's me, Carl. I'm here I'm to make a... sure that Magneto doesn't find out what you're doing. Look at me, Jimmy. I've got a wheelchair. Wee! <laughs> Wee! Oh, but actually, I'm a ghost right now. I've got a ghost wheelchair. Ooh. Spooky. So, yeah. uh, So, now at this point, there's Moira, Colossus, Quicksilver, and Kitty. They're, They're the people making it happen 
They're in the room where it happens. Um, And Gene is going through heavy therapy. Yes. With Mystique. Sort of deepening that pseudo mother-daughter bond. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of which... Speaking of Mystique having a mother-daughter bond with someone, I'm wondering when and how Rogue should be introduced to this series. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Maybe, uh... Yeah, it might be too early to introduce her. Maybe like a year three thing. Yeah, I think. Yes, I th- I think Rogue might have to be um a year three thing because 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 she is Mystique's adopted daughter, right? Um, so it might be one of those things where Okay, so okay, I I do feel like we could um plant some seeds here though. Uh okay. where um like one thing we could just kind of introduce with Mystique and we could say this is like in the second arc or we could do it in some some small scenes in this first arc, whatever. But some focus for Mystique would be that like she's apparently we'll say like currently going through like the adoption process um for someone uh like like for you know adopting a kid and we can establish that um we'd have to change some things around for this but um we could say that rogue is destiny's biological daughter in this version um destiny being mystique's girlfriend um okay i gotcha and uh, that in in this version, because um, in most versions of the X Men, Destiny is already dead. Like in the comic books, I believe Destiny's still dead. Okay. But she um, had like a lot of visions of the future and like wrote diaries for Mystique to follow. Um, so that's that's uh, one thing. That's that's a part of why Mystique like is such a good like long-term planner is because her girlfriend left her a bunch of, uh, uh, basically future predictions to follow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, that's why Mystique always seems like she's like several steps ahead of everybody else. I got you. Um, cause like anytime she's in like the Wolverine or the X-Men comics as a villain, she's, she's always like that, that schemer, that master planner who's like, yeah, yeah. That, that Moriarty level of, of intelligence because yeah. she knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. She's got the cheat code. So for this, for this version, maybe Mystique does have some like notes from Destiny left over, but we're going to say that Destiny um, has already like, is, has either died or is dying. Um, and uh, what Mystique is trying to do is she's Rogue would already be a teenager at this point. So what she's trying to do is she's trying to adopt Rogue and like 
you know, legally become her mother so that when Destiny dies, Rogue doesn't just get lost in the system. Yeah, yeah. She could go live with Mystique at the X-Men school and Mystique would be able to raise her and teach her there. Yeah. That's, that, I feel like, and then, like, but but to start with, we just focus on, like, Mystique going through the adoption process. And then we could explain later, once Rogue is introduced and it's all successful and all that, that, um, uh, that those were Mystique's reasons for adopting her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we could say that, like, uh, Destiny might have been, like, someone that um, Mystique didn't exactly, like, involve in the X-Men part of her life. Because um, they're both mutants, so obviously they knew about each other's mutations. But, right. um, like, Mystique might not have, like, let her in on all the X-Men stuff. And she might, she probably didn't tell Magneto everything about Destiny. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Kind of shows that while Mystique is loyal to Magneto, she does still, like have her own life and her own goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that if it came down to it, like, and this is definitely something we could tackle later on, if it came down to a choice between Magneto or Rogue, Mystique would choose Rogue over him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. So, and that might also be a part of why um, we could kind of use that to sort of explain why emotionally Mystique um, is such a good mother figure to like Jean because she already has that experience mothering a teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. At this point, because we can only assume that she has been a part of Rogue's life up to this point. Right. So. But yeah. So yeah, okay, that gets the rogue stuff out of the way. That's just something I wanted to think about real quick um, since I realized, like, oh, geez, how are we going to in- how are we going to introduce all the characters we need introduced before the first X-Men series, like, concludes at the end of year whatever? Right, <laughs> that's, right. that's my thought process. There's so many characters in all this and we only focus on so many at a time. It's like, ugh. Yeah. That's why I think um, the MCU shouldn't do an X-Men movie to start with once they're introduced. They should do a TV show on Disney Plus or something. Yeah, that would be a good idea. It would be a good opportunity to be able to focus on a bunch of them all at once and and still have time to flesh them out properly. So that when they do pop up in movies, they're well-realized enough that people care about them. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, all right. So yeah, we'll just say that Moira, Colossus, and Quicksilver are helping Kitty to various degrees investigate Magneto. And she finds like information that she needs on like all the shady stuff he's doing. Um, She might even find files that point to the fact that he was responsible for the initial attack on Tony Stark. Oh, yeah, yeah. That could be, like, one of the big things. It's like, oh, my God, he attacks Tony Stark. Yeah, and, and like, earlier in the in the arc and stuff, because, like, before this, you did have the Tony 
the Tony attacking uh, Magnus Industries and stuff like that. But in terms of like the public, Magneto, he kind of wants to deal with Tony himself. He's not going to allow the the media and everything to take it and be like, oh, this robot guy attacked them. Like Magneto yeah. probably paid off a bunch of media stuff and all that. Yeah. To make it look like whenever it was on the news, like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a, like thing that would happen in the office, like a, uh, uh, kind of yeah, pipe I think, bomb. That's pretty big, but like, yeah. uh, I think we did <laughs> cover this at the end of our Iron Man episode. Talk okay. about I figured the we did. steps Magneto would have taken to cover it up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I okay. remember us discussing this at some point. Yeah. But the the only reason I bring that up is like uh this isn't even like discussed. The, this this is like how this is how you bring up the Tony thing without like being like, Oh, we have to now go and read this other book. Instead, you whenever you have like the teenagers watching T V or whatever, or a character yeah. watching T V or whatever, in the background you see that being discussed. Like yeah. the the whole thing about magnus industries and, and the the sweep up that happened like they not a pipe bomb but they say it's something else I, other than I the think, iron man thing i think the explanation was that um that we came up with at the time because we were saying like oh you know magnus industries or, or international or whatever our word was oh um, yeah, yeah they have their hands on like everything so like they, their explanation might be like oh yeah we were testing out like fireworks and one of them hit the building that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And um and like they would have paid someone in the, at the city off to like forge like permits and things like that that yeah, predate yeah. that predate, you know, the incident. Yeah. That way, yeah, they're not getting sued by anyone or anything. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. It was signed off and stuff. It was just a freak thing. Yeah. No one was hurt. No one was in the building. that sort of thing yeah but but the reason i'm i mentioned that is like uh um i don't know maybe while kitty's doing the digging she finds out about the tony stark thing and then not saying like she finds out that iron man was the one that did the magnus building thing but like what the media is saying about it isn't what actually happened like she sees that a little bit hmm yeah, yeah, she understands, like, oh, there, there's a cover-up going on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think... I think one thing that Kitty might end up doing, because... Because the kids aren't, like, they're not being held captive at the school they are they, but they yeah, would just yeah. be like i, I want to say they would probably need like a permission slip or something to go to go out right like basically like and they likely have a curfew as well yeah so i'm thinking maybe the second arc would involve kitty um trying to like you know go out and like inviting a couple other students along as a cover up for the facts that like she's trying to investigate things 
And um, like once they're out on the town and everything, she would say to the other students like, oh, I got a, um, I got the squirts. I got to, you know, <laughs> hit the bathroom or something. Like you guys go on without me. I'll catch up with you later. Yeah, yeah. And she might like go to Stark Industries, like one of their buildings to try and figure things oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like, I think an interesting thing for like the second arc might be like, Kitty sneaking around inside the Stark Industries building, like using her powers and all that, because um, you know she's got the perfect power for infiltration, um, and like trying to figure out things on his end, um, and then like getting caught. Yeah, yeah. By either like Pepper or Hank Pym or someone there. Yeah, yeah. But um. But yeah, and and Jean, I believe, would be one of the other students she invites to go out with her on, on the town. Yeah, yeah, that makes Beca- sense. because because Jean is one of the people Kitty's trying to convince. All the stuff is you know, messed up. So. Yeah, yeah. And Jean is in just the right mindset to accept that sort of thing. Yeah, all point. the stuff is mixed. Like the small bit of it is like. And part of the reason, like, Mystique and all them would sign off on Jean going out is, like, yeah, she needs some fresh air. <laughs> like, she needs to be yeah. away from this place. But, yeah, yeah, Kitty Kitty will also, while Jean is out, try and, to get her on her side, kind of. And, like, another, uh, I guess, source of tension for this portion of the arc, too, would be you have Kitty's opposite, Jubilee, also go with like uh, oh yeah yeah like kitty would invite gene and at first it'd be like oh yeah it's just you and me sort of thing and then gene like oh let's invite jubilee and kitty's like oh, yeah, are you yeah. sure she might be busy she you know she is one of the x-men after all uh <laughs> you know sort of that sort of thing yeah and then gene would be like i oh, know let's invite her with so so jubilee because because gene well they know that jubilee is like totally in it like she drank the kool-aid and everything gene's still friends with her and she's still like she doesn't think of her like that way. Yeah, yeah. As like a potential threat. So yeah. Uh, plus, I think Mystique would also encourage it. She'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, Jubilee should go with you," because Mystique probably recognizes that Kitty is questioning things a little too much. Yeah, yeah. So she she would encourage them to take Jubilee with, so that Jubilee could keep an eye on things. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so it's like this. It's this. Um, fun little like trio that represents the full spectrum of personal investment in the X-Men from totally in it to questioning things to I want out of here (laughs) all on the same field trip. Yeah. And like maybe when um, Kitty like tries to excuse herself um, uh, at first like Jubilee and Jean like go along with it like all right, but then Jubilee's probably like She's taken a while. I think I might go check up on her. And yeah. and Jean's like, okay, I'll you know wait for you here then. And Jubilee takes off and starts like tailing Kitty. And like maybe Jubilee finds out that Kitty went to Stark Industries. And oh yeah, yeah. It's this whole big cat and mouse thing. Yeah. It's. I can't believe we turned X Men into this weird, complicated super spy tale. <laughs> yeah. Because that's all it is at this, like, so far. Yeah, everyone. Like, a bunch of espionage and super spies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even down to the teenage characters who are supposed to be regular high school students with <laughs> yeah. superpowers. It's like, it all turned into this big, like, 
secrets and lies and and secret agents doing stuff sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, at the, but when mutants are a secret to the world, I feel like that's the most interesting direction to take until they're revealed. Yeah, yeah. Which I think it's going to be hard for them to hide after World War Hulk. So I think we already discussed right, the fact right. that they're uh, that they're basically going to expose themselves after World War Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Like the world's gotten crazier, so let's get crazy with it. <laughs> like that, like that scene in the in the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie. You want to get nuts? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Nuts. Then they go and get some peanuts together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got nuts. I need more salt in my diet. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So. Who catches Kitty in the act of infiltrating Stark Industries then? Um... Let's see. Obviously, I don't know if it can just be straight up Tony Stark. Probably Um, not. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm thinking either like Rhodey or Hank Pym. I'm thinking maybe Hank Pym, and yeah. we could introduce some um, interesting things here because at this point, um, the Iron Man series will have already progressed with like. Tony starting to get uh, other characters in on being Iron People. Um, yeah, yeah. With Pym kind of being a part of that. So I think maybe as Kitty is um, investigating, um, she ends up in Pym's lab specifically. And she comes. Hold oh. on one second. Oh, this is around the time when people are headed up. I don't know who you're barking at. Oh, you're barking at the neighbor that's two houses down. You've got great eyesight, dog. <laughs> All right, you got in your car. Hurry up. You neither park it or leave. Yeah. Do one of them. My dog finally knows um, who like what our mailman's um, truck sounds like in this neighborhood now in our new neighborhood. So she started yeah. barking at him. Oh, nice. She, she didn't at first, but now she, she knows what the engine sounds like. So yeah. Yeah. All right, man, you guys, are it's, it's, it's so weird to me streetest. how it's, it's so weird to me how a dog can figure out the distinctions in like the sounds of engines and figure out oh, like yeah. who's, who's home or what's going on based on the sound of it. Like she knows when I have gotten home or when my dad's gotten home, when we're all, when we're still like down the street based on the sound of our cars. Yeah. Gosh, I realized that lady is finally driving away. I realize that I, I've only seen two cars today, but of the two I've seen people back out very slowly on my street. <laughs> you got a lot of old people in that neighborhood. Uh, the two that I saw back out weren't, but I don't know. Maybe it could be a neighborhood conspiracy. What are you still barking at? They already went down. 
Did they reverse it? I don't even know what you're looking at now. Hold on. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. So, yes, I think it's I think it's Hank Pym who catches her. Yeah. Um, and like one of the labs that she ends up in, or the lab that she ends up in, I think is is his lab specifically, and she yeah, ends yeah. up stumbling upon some like blueprints or documents and things that look similar to um, Iron Man, but it's labeled as like Project Ultron or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hinting at the fact that Hank is trying to go forward with building an AI and all that. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got the Buddhism. He's like, what are you doing here? And, like, she gets the opportunity to explain herself and all that. And Hank, like, hears her out. And I think he might help her get the information she's looking for. Showing that um, a, cu- a couple of things, firstly, because the information he gives her is clearly a secret, right? But, right. um, uh, it shows that a he is invested in uh, like taking Magneto down, but b he's also not totally one hundred percent loyal to Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he did give her the information she's looking for, but also if that information was confidential. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she basically kind of he, he effectively tells her that Tony Stark is Iron Man by doing this. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my thoughts on how that encounter should go. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. He says he is Iron Man. And she's like, I didn't feel any weight in you saying that. Like, well, well, it doesn't quite work when you when you say it that way. <laughs> it's it's really more effective when he announces it himself. <laughs> So yeah, and then okay. So then Kitty, um... so yeah, Kitty gets the info she needs. I think um, Hank might just straight up give her like his contact info, um, and then like once the Brotherhood is formed and everything, Hank might help guide them in certain things. I don't know that that might be a little too much. Yeah, we we can always see that's 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 down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that that okay. That idea does seem a little wonky. Let's. Yeah. Um, so as she gets out of the place, she has to bump into Jubilee. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. As she's leaving, um, you get that moment, like, "Hey, you know, what's up? <laughs> what you doing here?" And Kitty has to try and explain herself, like. Um, she might say something like, oh, you know, th- these were the uh, only bathrooms I could find. <laughs> only place that lets you in to use the toilet without spending money. Stark Industries, the place that was known for making <laughs> weapons, is a place that just freely lets you in to use the bathroom. Yeah, well, I don't run the place, so why don't you go ask Tony Stark, Jubilee? God. Get well, they don't, back. you know, 
they don't actually make like the weapons here. They're like factories for that and foundries and things like that. You know, they mostly just work on like the, the science based stuff here. Also, they shut down their weapons division a little while ago, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't really make weapons anymore. They're kind of devoted to more humanitarian causes, I guess. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you basically have Kitty stumbling over her words and all that, and Jubilee's suspicious of her, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And they go back and find Jean, and then Jean's like, you know, what's up? And they're like, oh, nothing. Like, both of them say, oh, you know, nothing, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to deflect suspicion, which, obviously, when you when you try to deflect suspicion like that, it causes more suspicion. So, yeah, yeah. like, like um, I think Jean might, yeah, like, yeah. skim their thoughts a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I think Jubilee might have some minor training against uh, psychic attacks. So yeah. it might be a little harder with her. But for Kitty, it's going to be a lot easier for Jean to see what she's thinking. Yeah, she goes to Jubilee. Jubilee is actually like deep down thinking like something's up with Kitty and stuff. But she goes to Jubilee. And Jubilee yeah. is thinking like, my little pony, my little, my little pony. pony. Always be in my farts. <laughs> but yeah, like when when um, Jean skims through Kitty's thoughts, she doesn't dig too deep. Um, but like she just skims through her thoughts, and there's you know some weird, stressful stuff in there. So. Yeah, yeah. So then you get that bit where once they go back to the school, um, uh, Kitty is going to, you know, have a talk with Gene. And yeah, I think Gene yeah. is going to have to confront someone about it. Gene um, might just go straight to Mystique with it, actually, to, you know, ask her some questions um, before eventually finally having the opportunity to just sit down and talk with Magneto for the first time, basically since she got there. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, has Jean met Magneto yet? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember if we said she met him or if he's just always been busy this whole time. I think he's pretty much been busy this whole time. If he, if she did meet him, it was like on like, like, orientation day or whatever yeah. introduction day and then he's like alright I'm off see ya <laughs> deucers take care of this so yeah I'm um, CEO man <laughs> so yeah so by talking to Mystique about this she finally gets the opportunity to um, uh, talk to Magneto and like you know as they're discussing this Mag- Magneto is basically going to be forced to come clean about a lot of stuff um, say like yeah you know this stuff has been happening but it's been necessary for you know um, the defense of mutant kind and the progression of our species um, and uh, you know at first Gene might be a little put at ease by it because she's like oh well you know if it's necessary and then Magneto is going to say something like and don't you know don't worry about Miss Pride she'll be taken care of and Gene's going to be like what does that mean? And oh, like she'll be taken care of as he's rubbing yeah. his hands. And she's like, "Why are you rubbing your hands?" Oh, uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, 
<laughs> She'll be fine. But yeah, like basically the fact that Magneto like suggests there that Kitty's kind of under threat now is going to be enough for Jean to just be like, okay, it's time to go. Um, yeah, that, that that would actually be perfect. Like uh, essentially that leads to Jean basically uh, possibly in the middle of the night or something like uh, if Kitty isn't already like taken somewhere else if she is still like in her room or whatever waking yeah. her up in the middle of the night and then trying to like sneak like sneak out run away type thing yeah yeah i think they um yeah they try to like sneak out so what happens is um uh okay so oh, shoot so we haven't established What, okay, so was Storm going to leave with them? Because I was going to say, if that's so, we haven't established much of a relationship there. Um, Storm might have to be like a later defection. I think Storm stays yeah, with yeah. for a bit. She's yeah, definitely going everyone. to change sides eventually. But I was going to say, not everyone has to defect all at once. Yeah, yeah. It can be a more gradual thing. So I think the, one, yeah. Yeah, the ones we start with are Jean and Kitty. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're trying to get away in the night. I think the first one sent after them is Storm. Because Storm's got lightning powers, and uh, that's really the only thing that could meaningfully harm Kitty Yeah. in a fight. Because, like, Warpath's got knives. What's that going to do to her? She can just make him go through her. Yeah, yeah. Make him go through her in the, in the, in the non-lethal way, not the normal way knives go through people. <laughs> <laughs> they go through her and then hit, uh, hit Jean by accident. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know then, you were behind me. And then, like, Colossus is made of metal. There's nothing he can do to hurt her. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, like, Storm is really the only one who can do, um, like, any meaningful damage to Kitty when the time comes. Yeah. So she's the one who gets sent after her to start with. And then, like, Jean is also helping to protect Kitty, um, like, using her... Basically, Jean is going to start using the training that she's been receiving uh, with her powers to defend Kitty like deflect yeah, yeah. storms lightning and and um keep her from hurting anybody until eventually the last confrontation as they're trying to escape is going to be a fight i think between gene and jubilee yeah 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 because yeah. that's the big like you know i thought we were friends moment yeah yeah um so yeah, and then obviously I don't think the fight's necessarily going to need like a winner because it just needs to end with Gene and Kitty getting away. Right, right. So I think I think Jubilee is going to be a little bit overwhelming to start with because she's been practicing with her powers a lot longer. Yeah. She's gonna have all these fireworks zipping around all over the place. Yeah. And it's gonna be all Gene can do just to contain the explosions with her powers. Right. So yeah, and I think that's and I think that's the big like climax to our our first five arc saga for the X Men, and uh, basically the the new era for the ongoing X Men series would kind of pick up with World War Hulk, where the focus has shifted to Magneto. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we can talk about those World War World War. World War 
Midwest. We can talk about the big, the big green meanie tie-ins. Um, yeah. In that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we've got a good. We had a rough start, but I think we had a, a good story here. Uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. Basically, pretty solidly establishing Kitty as like the second main character. Yeah, yeah. Going forward, since these last two arcs focused on her pretty heavily. Um, yeah. Also, I think at the end of this, once they get away, like because he was helping with the investigation and all that, I think Quicksilver kind of pops in out of nowhere and like helps get them away faster. And then, um, you know, his presence can be explained later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who he is and all that. It's one of those things where it's like the character pops in out of nowhere and it's like, no time to explain and then moves on. Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. So, yeah. Future Flash thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that Future Flash thing where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll explain it later and then they never actually explain it. Yeah, never got to. Yeah. Because he pops up after Bruce wakes up from a dream, he's like, yeah, Lois is the key. Then he goes away, and then Bruce wakes up again, but the papers yeah. are still floating through the air. So was it a double dream, or did it actually happen? We'll never know. No well, one will Flash, know. Flash now has uh, the power. Not the power. He got a hold of the, uh, the, I forgot the name of the machine from Inception. I don't so, remember anything about Inception all that well. Yeah, well, he got that machine and invaded Bruce's dream. I, I have, Flash has Flash has some crazy powers, but it's not like he can just invade a dream. So he had to go get a machine to do that. Yeah, yeah. I um, I have seen Inception exactly once. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was. Years ago, I want to say it was pretty close to ten years ago at this point. Dang. Yeah. When did its Inception come out? Was it twenty eleven or twenty twelve? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. I want to say it was around ten years ago. Then at this point, that I saw Inception for the first time. Yeah. And only time. Yeah, people complain about some of the. Uh complication with some of the movie and stuff i got a feeling for those people they're really not going to like tenet tenet's Uh, more complicated than inception in my opinion yeah but um but yeah i uh, uh i think that's actually a good place then for um yeah yeah the x-men year two that was actually once once it got rolling it was pretty exciting yeah and it ends with a nice big climactic battle. Yeah. With with yeah, characters who have a meaningful history with each other. Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was saying, you were the chosen one, Gene. That's what Jubilee's <laughs> saying. You were supposed to destroy the dark side, not join it. Or destroy the Sith, that's it. Not join them. I have the high ground, Gene. You can't defeat me. High ground. (laughs) Um, All right, Brandon. If you don't give me plugs and recommendations right now, I 
will squeeze your I'll I'll squeeze your stairs. I'll find your stairs and I'll squeeze them all in my hands individually. You're at the wrong house, buddy. I ain't got no stairs. Not even on like the front porch or anything? No. Oh. I'll squeeze the closest stairs to you then. I guess that might be one of the neighbor's houses. I guess I got to protect my neighbor's stairs, so I'll go ahead. Uh, plugs, Disney Comics, D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics. Um, you can find that on Facebook and Instagram. The Kickstarter for the Gallows Man number one is up by the point this episode comes up. So, again, I'm not going to beg you to go and back it. I'm just on my hands and knees with my hands out, simply saying please. (laughs) There is no begging, though. But recommendations. I'm trying to think. Oh, I've just got movie recommendations. Um, Let me see. Which one do I want to start with? Okay. I saw, I finally saw Nobody. How was it? About a week ago. It's pretty good. Um, it, it, it's not like amazing or anything, but it's pretty good. It's definitely worth a rental, um, hmm. like like Redbox or like three ninety nine rental. Um, yeah. The person I saw it rented on their PlayStation for nineteen ninety nine because it's in theaters right now, and I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. I wouldn't have paid that. <laughs> I'm just a cheapskate though, so that's part of that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. I I noticed one thing in it. Um, it's part of the intro is like closer to our Tom Hanks idea than I thought it would be. Oh, with like the the whole mundane life and like polo dad and wimpy looking kind of. It's like a lot closer than I thought. Uh, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was really interesting. There's one part that I really like. So John Wick, what started it all, the death of the dog. Mm. Um, With this, what starts it all is basically a kitty bracelet, like a kitty cat bracelet that his daughter has. Yeah. Um, Like, this isn't getting into that much spoiler territory, but his house gets robbed and part of the stuff that gets robbed, uh, this kitty bracelet he thought was in the stuff being robbed. Yeah. Hold on. There's like a ringtone. Okay. Sorry. It was in another room. Um, but yeah, so that's what started it. And then like he goes to them and they're like, we don't have it. We don't know what you're talking about. And like I don't know, I I thought that was interesting. It did make me feel a little bit like John Wick, where it's like John Wick. It it's like a bigger reason where it's like the dog dies, but still not like a human life. But it is it is yeah. like the dog dies, and then it kicks it all off. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like you stole my my daughter's kitty bracelet. But that that's not the thing that truly kicked it off. Like it's been building. Like his life has been so boring for so long, and it. It plays through that throughout yeah. like 
the first act of the movie to where like any little thing would have like easily brought him back into it. But I thought yeah. that was interesting. But uh, so yeah, nobody. And then one I so it sounds, highly... it sounds like a movie that doesn't take itself terribly seriously. Oh no, no, no. yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, a fun it's, action movie. It, it's yeah, like it, even even in the trailers, it seemed like it was kind of like one like a more fun like it still seemed pretty violent, but like a more fun violent sort of action movie. So I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing. Yeah, it, it like the best way to just like compare it kind of is kind of like with a a John Wick where it's like a fun action movie. Um, but even this takes it like a little less serious than John Wick. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, nobody. And then one I highly recommend. Uh, it was nominated for six Oscars. It won two. The two that it won, I believe it deserved. It won for sound and I think editing. Um, it's Sound of Metal is what it's called. Sound of Metal. I've it's on this. Amazon Prime Video and stuff. It's basically about this metal drummer, this heavy metal drummer, who his life basically starts spiraling. Like, I said that's so weird. Spiraling. Spiraling. <laughs> But his life starts spiraling whenever he starts he starts losing his hearing, basically. Mm. It's like a progression mm. loss of his, his hearing. It's really good. I really liked it. Um, I showed it to my family last night, and they they seemed 50-50 on it. But I I really liked it. Um, I I there, I mean, a big part of it is like sound because you are like thrown into his pers- his perspective sometimes of like what he's hearing or actually the lack of hearing. Like that's what you hear. And it's like, oh gosh, like it, it hits a lot harder then. I recommend watching this like in a more intimate setting. What I mean by that is like, Maybe have like earphones or headphones on where like you really get that sound better unless you have some crazy great sound system like surround sound system or whatever because I don't think a a regular TV does like it justice because mm. um, that's whenever I watch it the second time I was watching it with the family I couldn't watch it with headphones I was like ah like it is really good, but like you're missing some of the effect of like that deafness that he's feeling. Mm, yeah, it's really good though. So nobody in Sound of Metal. That's pretty much all I got. All right. Well, then for me, it's going to be kind of short for me today because I've only got one recommendation because I didn't really have the opportunity to take anything in uh, since the last recording we did. Um, oh yeah i i watched these before the last recording yeah i haven't yeah, done yeah. anything since the last recording really yeah i was planning to watch more like at least one more movie but um now i'm 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 digging into my old like like i just went and looked at like my movie shelf real quick um to sort of dig into my catalog and be like what if i watched semi-recently i can recommend so anyway yeah, yeah. um but i'll start with the plug you're already listening to it, Store Brand Comics. Congratulations, you found us. Um, 
thank you very much for listening. Um, it, you know, it's, it means a lot to us that um, anyone would want to listen, listen to us talk for this long. This is just a little hobby podcast that we do every Friday um, as much as we can possibly manage. So uh, thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed it, then just, you know, keep coming back every Friday and listening again or whichever day you have time to listen because um, these come out on Friday and then they just, they just stay there. They're all, they're always going to, they're going to be there forever. So if you don't have time on Friday, just, you can, you can do it on another day too, if you want, but just keep listening. If you like it, <laughs> Yeah. this little, this little ra- awkward ramble I'm doing isn't annoying. Is it <laughs> anyway? <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. So anyway, now that that's out of the way, um, my recommendation for the week is a movie that I actually watched a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, and I don't, I actually don't remember whether or not I recommended this after I watched it for the first time or, um, if I forgot to, but, uh, it's a movie called weathering with you. Um, it is, uh, an anime movie. Directed by Makoto Shinkai, who um, is obviously an anime director. At this point, he's most famous for the movie Your Name, um, uh, which, yeah, over the past few years was like one of the big anime movies that really helped anime push like into the worldwide mainstream. Um, so uh, I also saw Your Name for the first time within the past few weeks, so... But uh, and I watched Weathering with You after that. But um, Weathering with You is about um, a teenage boy who is like running away from home, and he goes to Tokyo, where he it's raining all the time there. Like it hasn't stopped raining since he got there. Um, but then he ends up meeting this girl who basically can control the weather. Um, yeah, so, and, and then the plot of the movie continues from there. I don't want to give away too much, um, cause if I give away too many more details, then I'll have said too much about it, I think. Um, uh, the English voice cast does a pretty good job, I'll say. Um, th- it is another one of those ones where for some of the roles, they got like celebrity voice actors to like do the thing. Like Lee Pace does the voice of a character in it. Um, he's, uh, if you don't know who Lee Pace is, he was Ronan, the accuser in guardians of the galaxy. Um, he was also, uh, Legolas's dad in the Hobbit movies. Mm. Um, so, uh, also, um, Alison Brie, uh, was the voice of another character in it, which she already has a lot of experience, um, voice acting. She was the voice of Diane in, uh, uh, Bojack Horseman. Oh, um, but she's also the nerdy girl in um, Community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and who else? Riz Ahmed was in it as well as the voice of a cop. So those are like the only three like celebrity voice actors I would say oh. they got. Everyone else sounded like someone who like is just a normal anime voice actor. What else is Riz Ahmed in? Um, the only thing I've seen that Riz Ahmed is in is Venom. He's the bad guy. 
Have you seen Venom yet? Okay. I, I thought it was the same guy. I wanted to make sure. Riz Ahmed's the main character in Sound of Metal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just saw a movie with a minute. Yeah. I knew he's in. I knew him from that and then also Nightcrawler. He plays the, the guy. Okay. That's oh, that's right. He was in Nightcrawler. Yeah. I don't watch too many um, movies that uh, Martin Scorsese would approve of. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in Venom as the bad guy, and he is a uh, yeah. He did a voice in this movie as well, but um, oh. but yeah, the rest was was um, you know your usual cast of anime voice actors, um, as far as I could tell, and they did a very good job with the with the dub, because um, again, for everyone out there listening, I watch my anime dubbed when I can because I don't want to have to read through the whole thing and exhaust my eyes. Because if my eyes are too tired, then I can't actually pick up what's happening on screen. So, you know, I like actually watching things that animators put a lot of hard work into putting together. <laughs> so, yeah. The Weathering with You is pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. And it has a very interesting ending. I'll say that much. It has an interesting ending. Um, but, yeah. So, that's... The only thing I have to recommend for the week. I thought that would have gotten a reaction. Okay. Are you still there? Brandon? Did you disconnect? I think he disconnected. Hold on. Oh, no, you're still there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I I chuckled at the fart. Oh, okay. All right, because I was asking if you were still there and I wasn't getting any responses. Yeah. I I think I said like a couple sentences. I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Anyway. So this has been Storebrand Comics for the week. I've been T.O. And I've been Brandon. And now we're not. And we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Shoot, hang on. Dang it. The course is happening. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. Of course, I play it as just like a joke to start the episode, like to start our recording session off with, and then the, my controller dies right as I'm trying to pause it. It's your your controller telling you, Tio, you gotta soak this in. It's not a meme. It's true artistry. <laughs> it's the... This is the truth. Yes. Like uh like in full metal alchemist. Wait till they're inside and she's done barking.
Are you backing up? What are you doing? <laughs> Back up. <laughs> what are you doing? There's no one on the street. This isn't the highway. Why did it take you so long to back up? That's right. Go. Go to the stop sign. And turn left. All right. All right, they're gone. <laughs> Jimmy, do you want to join Antifa?